Now, uh, we're going to be joined, and I think we already are on the line, by uh, the uh, uh, South African Women Lawyers Association's uh, Charlie Naidu, Advocate Charlie Naidu, and uh, who, alongside the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities, uh, have uh, undertaken, I guess, uh, to uh, uh, put out a campaign here aimed at the economic empowerment of women in this uh, Women's Month, in the month of August. And uh, Advocate Charlie Naidu is the chairperson of the Free State Chapter uh, of the South African Women Lawyers Association and joins me now on the line. Advocate Naidu, a good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Uh, good evening, Ayabonga. Thank you for having me on the show and good evening to our listeners. Yeah, thank you so much for coming through. And maybe just before we get into the mechanics and the detail of the campaign, uh, just give us a sense of the genesis of this particular campaign and, of course, the genesis of your partnership with the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities. Okay, so um, Ayabonga, um, 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 as you might know and, and as everyone in South Africa is aware, um, you know, gender-based violence and, and femicide um, is rife in the country. Um, yes. SALA is, is um, an organization, South African Women Lawyers Association. Um, we stand to empower women, um, uh, to advance women economically, financially, um, you know, um, psychologically. So we have realized that there is a nexus, a connection between disempowered women, women that are, um, you know, uh, economically disadvantaged, um, and mm. them living in abusive relationships. So um, we realize that in order for us to um, ensure that women are able to, to, to be in a financial position, to be able to um, get out of abusive relationships, they need to be in a position financially, economically, um, um, to actually be able to stand on their own. So Sala mm. together with, uh, in partnership with the department, um, have um, undertaken this project where we will be e equipping women, um, uh, uh, educating them, creating awareness um, on, for example, how to register a business. So over the weeks, mm. we will be having various um, shows, various campaigns um, you know, to empower women. Um, sure, and we realize sure. that there is a, a strong need for us to empower women. And what is uh, amazing about this show and this program is that we are trying to empower women in the languages that they understand. So we are not just keeping it to English, but we will be um, mm. uh, uh, running this show on, on different languages. So we know that... And you know, Advocate Naidu, maybe just a quick yes. one, Advocate, uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of what it is that you're going to be doing, I do want us to maybe pause there for a second, because I guess the importance of undertaking this campaign in the way that you're doing it is also in response to a significant amount of misinformation about how people can register entities in South Africa. You see posters everywhere you go saying, you know, pay 2,500 Rand for a business registration. Um, and in many instances, people, I guess, uh, using that as a way or using, you know, this misinformation as a way to exploit people who might want to start up a, an enterprise. So maybe, I guess, it's quite helpful for us to, to foreground that as part of the context for why this is so important as well. Okay, definitely, um, Ayabonga. I think um, what we need to understand that it, it's relatively quite easy to actually register a, a company. Um, uh, all you need to do, and, and it only takes 24 hours if all the criteria um, is actually met. Um, you can actually register okay. a company electronically, file, file all your papers um, electronically, and within 24 hours, um, you know, you can have um, your, your company registered. Mm. So, 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 
I mean, normally people often speak about like a two-week lead time, significant amounts of money. But you're saying if you have all of your documentation, you could potentially within 24 hours have a reservation of a name and effectively your company's registered. What are some of yes. these documents? Exactly. So basically what I'm saying is that the first thing you need to do is to make sure that you register a name. Um, obviously, you cannot take a name that's already existing. So you've got to make yes. sure that the name that you um, are applying for and you're registering is unique. So you re- the, the first thing you do is you would register a name. And then after you've registered a name, um, you would register the company. So to register a name, it only takes 50 rand. And to register the company is 125 rand. So in total, you basically will be paying 175 rand for the registration of your name and the company. Um, basically, you can go to uh, bizportal.gov.za. So that's B-I-Z-P-O-R-T-A-L.gov.za. Mm. Um, or the CIPC website, that is www.cipc.co.za. And then basically navigate to the online transaction. Um, it's as easy as that. So, so in a way, I mean, a lot of uh, that particular approach... Um, does away with the need of having, you know, physical touch points. Um, but I'm also quite interested, I guess, for some of our listeners who might not be in spaces where there's a very strong internet connection. Uh, how do they sort of go about this process? Uh, because I guess that's that, that's a key part of the difficulty. Um, I think that's a, that's a good uh, uh, question. Um, you know, sometimes there are these companies that will assist you to register. But as I said, um, it might not be as cheap as what I'm telling you now on the phone. So it's, it's much uh, easier if someone can assist them, um, you know, to, to actually register. It will cost them much less. But you can approach certain, um, you know, um, companies that will assist someone to actually register. And I guess, you know, uh, there's the other question of, you know, what benefits, if I'm already in business, what, what benefits come from me now registering? I mean, I might... Uh, be participating in the economy in some shape or form, trade, retail, that kind of thing. What's in it for me by going about registering a business and, uh, you know, doing it in the fashion that you've just described? Okay, I think, you know, um, for government, especially government tenders, government uh, bids and and quotations, um, for you to to actually participate in, in government tenders, it's important that you actually comply with the, you know, the legislative compliance issues. So government actually want to do business with someone who's actually got a registered company. Um, so whether it's a, it's a small um, SMME company or, you know, so um, it's important, um, you know, it shows that you're reputable, that you are, um, you know, you are ensuring compliance with the relevant legislation and so forth. So it's important to register uh, your business so that you can actually tender, you know, for, for government tenders as well. Okay, all right. Now, now the other thing, of course, is um, there's big question marks around how many people you can register as people who are the directors in the company, because I guess that influences when you do something else, which is to register, you know, a business account who might be a signatory to that particular account. I think, uh, uh, Ayabonga, it's important to, to note that you can have a minimum of one director, you know, to, to a company. So you don't have to have a lot of directors. And I'm talking about... Um, uh, uh, you know, a private uh, uh, company, not a, a board of or, or a board of public or non non profit company. Um, so, 
you basically can have just one one director. And I think, Ayabonga, what is very important to note, um, the responsibilities of a director, because sometimes, you know, we all like the title of, of being a director, but the responsibilities of being a director is quite onerous. Um, you know, you need to make sure that you are complying because even a director can be held liable in their personal capacity, um, you know, if, if you do not comply with your fiduciary duties or you're reckless or you're negligent and so forth. So um, you can uh, actually open a company with one director, but take note that the responsibilities of a director is quite onerous. And, and what are some of those responsibilities? I mean, I'd be interested from a compliance perspective because I know... You know, CIPC often would send an email saying, look, your returns are due, this and this is due. What are some of the other responsibilities as per the governing legislation, which I understand to be the Companies Act, um, are placed on directors once they assume that responsibility? Okay, I'm just going to go through just a, a few of the responsibilities. There's quite a bit, okay. uh, you know, in terms of the Act. Uh, but yeah, let's pick out the ones that you find relevant. Yeah, the ones that you think are relevant, I guess, you know, yes. for, for the discussion. And for somebody who might just be starting out, you know, um, uh, and hasn't maybe, you know, taken on that role before. Okay, so uh, as a director, you are legally responsible to file the company's annual account and annual returns on time. And that time is, uh, you know, filing is very, very important. And um, you must also ensure that your company's details are up to date. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, and we'll come to that later on, if, if someone is deceased or resigned, make sure that your company's details are, are up to date. Um, the information that you submit will be placed on a public register and be available to, for public inspection, um, including your personal um, information. Um, so um, the companies that deliver accounts late receive a, fi- a late filing penalty. So if you file late, then you will also be penalized for that. Um, and remember mm. that you, you want to make sure that your, your records are updated and you file on time because late filing can also damage your reputation. And, and as mm. you know, one of the biggest risks to uh, you know, companies is, is uh, reputational risk. So, so often when you want to register a business, people bombard you with so many, you know, other registrations, go register with SARS, go register with the CSD, go register with Triple B. Take us step by step into like which ones are very important, especially if you're interested in getting some support uh, from uh, public agencies. So, so yeah, you, you're correct. You know, there are various compliance issues. Um, you know, for example, if you are, um, you know, a security company, you need to make sure you are registered with a PCRA, uh, which is the uh, the private security um, private security industry regulating authority. If you're a construction industry, you must make sure that you are registered with CIDB. Uh, uh, mm. CIDB that is the Construction Industry Development Board. Um, so, yes. uh, beside that, you also need to make sure that your SARS you know, your, your text is updated and you are, you are registering, you're filing properly. Um, you know, you can uh, make sure if, if you are a triple BE, you can also make sure that you, uh, you know, you, you file your, your you know, you, to, to get triple BE points that you also um, uh, register for triple BE certificate as well. Mm-hmm. And and CSD, I mean that central supplier database. You you often hear people saying, 
you know, be part of that. Uh, and uh, you certainly don't have a lot of people talking about databases at a municipal level or even at the level of a procuring entity. But, uh, you know, what's, uh, you know, what's the procedure when it comes to that? Yes, Ayabonga, um, uh, uh, that is very, very important. Uh, the central supplier uh, database, uh, CSD, um, uh, basically most governments or all governments, uh, um, you know, the uh, municipalities, uh, provincial um, and national have that. And that is basically so that all the information of the various suppliers, you know, who, who have registered, their, their information and their data is kept on that, um, the central supplier database. Um, that we, mm. we need to make sure that the information is updated, um, you know, the, and, and the, the importance of that is that at any time, you know, should, for example, a municipality want a certain supplier or, you know, to, to provide a certain commodity, they will go onto that database and then um, try and contact that supplier. And unfortunately, if your phone number has changed or your email address has changed, um, they will not be able to contact you and you will unfortunately lose an opportunity. Um, so uh, we, we must note that um, uh, quotations, for example, below 200,000, um, they will mm. use the database, the central supplier database, to get in contact with you. Uh, about 200,000, it will go out on the tender process where it's advertised sure. and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, possible bidders will, will bid for those. So um, it's very important that the central supplier database is updated. So if you registered make sure that annually you actually update that information. Mm. And it doesn't take long. I mean, certainly in my experience of, um, I guess, trying to set an account up on that platform. I mean, a lot of people might think you know, it takes days and days and days. Uh, but I, I would feel if you have a good hour on you, you know, you might be able to go through that process. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's quite an easy process. And, um, um, you know, it's basically filling in your information. And remember... Um, it's, it's important uh, that your triple B, um, for example, um, certificate expires annually. So make sure that that mm. is updated because, um, you know, when, when they are checking on that database, they want to know that you are, you know, up to date with all your, your certificates and so forth. So it's quite an easy process and you can contact any of the government, um, in the department supply chain and they will be able to, um, you know, uh, register you on it or, even update your information. Yeah. Just just on that triple BE one, I mean, a lot, some people might think you need to go and get a verification agency, but uh, my understanding is that an affidavit is just fine. I mean, there's a form, print it out, take it to a commissioner of oaths, uh, who could be anything from a policeman to an accountant to the post office. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, most people think you need to get that, uh, you know, the triple BE certificate. But an affidavit, if it's commissioned and and. It, it is a valid um, uh, certificate and it can be used, um, you know, mm. as the um, certificate itself. So mm. an affidavit is, you can use an affidavit. You're correct. I'm, I'm also quite interested because I guess a lot of what we're talking about is also about gearing ourselves to benefit from some spending decision in the public service and also in the private sector, I might add. Um, and I think for, for a lot of women entrepreneurs, there's also uh, um, added layers of advantage uh, that come in procurement processes, at least of all if you're a young woman. Uh, so let's maybe talk about that, uh, I guess, with the few minutes that we have uh, of, uh, you know, even the advantage and the incentive of uh, participating in these types of processes, especially for, you know, for the younger cohort of uh, female entrepreneurs that we're speaking to. I think it, uh, uh, Ayabonga is very important and, uh, you know, probably 
uh, most women are, are not aware of this. Uh, but uh, the president, our president, um, in the State of the Nation uh, address, he said, um, in the State of the Nation address last year, 2020, uh, sorry, I'm quoting him, um, he said, yes. I said that we would prioritize the economic empowerment of women. Last year, cabinet, that was in 2020, last year, cabinet, cabinet approved a policy that 40% of public procurement should go to women-owned businesses. Uh, several mm. departments have started implementing this policy and we are making progress, unquote. So what most women don't realize is that there is a, already a policy that exists um, which uh, empowers and enforces government to ensure that 40% of public procurement should go to women-owned businesses. And I think this is mm. a, you know, some, an opportunity that women need to, um, to, to really embrace, to take on. Um, the unfortunate thing, um, Ayabonga, is that there, there is no monitoring. I mean, um, you know, I sit in the Bid Adjudication Committee you know, at one of the municipalities, and um, who is actually monitoring to see that 40% um, uh, you know, of the procurement is actually going to um, you know, a women-owned business? So, mm. so I think there's a plethora of legislation available. The unfortunate thing is there is no monitoring um, and, and there's no penalties attached to it. So um, I think the enforcement is where we're lacking and, and um, you know, I think that is where we, we need to, to focus on. Mm, mm. And and that enforcement, I mean, one would think at multiple levels there should be structures that allow for that. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, in the municipal space, I mean, a municipal public accounts committee should be asking uh, the supply chain department, how many of the people that you've given, you know, work to, how many of the people that have responded to bids are young black women? Surely that should be happening. That, that you, you're quite correct. That should be happening. But... Unfortunately, it's not happening, and it's not happening strategically or systematically. It's happening on a mm. sort of haphazard manner. And I know that um, uh, you know sometimes we need to report to Parliament on on these kind of issues. But we know um, factually on the ground that this is not happening. So so something needs to be done. And I think this is why Saula is, is taken to you know uh, this radio show, for example. Um, you know, assisted by the Department of Women, Youth, and uh, Persons with Disabilities, to, to say um, there's a lot of legislation that empower women, that gives us the opportunity. But unfortunately, um, we still have, you know, men in senior positions um, who actually make the decisions. Um, so mm. women are still at the mercy of, you know, the decision makers. So something sure. else needs to be done besides just having the legislation. There must be a yeah. monitoring and, um, uh, you know, uh, protests going on. Awesome stuff. And, uh, yeah, Advocate Charlie Naidu uh, will certainly continue to have these discussions and uh, hopefully agitate for a lot more execution, enforcement and monitoring, as you suggest. But I want to thank you for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Advocate Charlie Naidu, uh, the chairperson of the Free State Chapter of the South African Women Lawyers Association. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Ayubonga, and thank you to the listeners. Awesome stuff. And uh, folks, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, 9 p.m. is the time. And uh, and uh, people are headed home. Stay safe. And have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Nangoku, sisaibanga, le economy.